0: It's the Nachum Segal Network. It's the stunt show. It's Mark Zamek on a Thursday, um, the 15th in the month of this. Today's the 15th. Wow. You know, direct deposit. You don't even know when payday is anymore. <laughs> um, it is my turn to do the stunt show. I share this microphone with a number of extraordinarily t- talented people, um, my daughter among them. And um, we are celebrating Thursday. I finally got my most of the paint off my hands. Uh, from the big, uh, NSN event tonight, uh, yeah, last night. And we are celebrating this morning. We're going to jump right into it. Um, WYUR, the, um, the old days of WYUR. And, uh, our first guest, I know this might be shocking to you, but our first guest today is general manager of, let me see if I can guess this. Um,
1: 8045?
0: 83, 84. 83, 84, Nahum Siegel. Hello, he Right. Cause it was the year before I started you? You were never part of that WYUR administration. Um, not no, no. Not. I was uh, my for I graduated high school in eighty four. Right. So, um, so my question is, and to you, it's sort of like this is the softball question. Um, if I you finish finish the statement, if I wasn't, uh, if I weren't involved in WIUR, I would have never. Well, I would have never <laughs> have done anything, I think, in my entire life. I say, it's probably a more, it's more difficult question for the rest of, uh. I'd probably the rest still be of, sleeping
1: on my parents' couch somewhere, right. <laughs> if I went to video on WYUR. Uh, yeah, I mean, none of this would have ever happened, which is so hard to believe when you think about it, but.
0: Right, and the choices we make. You'll let me know when the next caller calls in, right? Okay. Um, so, uh, we have a number of special guests hopefully calling in today. And, um, so one of the, the, the and we probably, I'm sure we've discussed all of this on the air at one point or another. I'm sure you spent more time at WYOR before you were general manager because your first, literally your first week as general manager, you got the job, right? The job at FMU. Yeah. And end up moving yeah. out of the dorm, essentially. Right. Wasserman had his own room. Correct, Yeah, the Second
1: floor morgue. He was the only guy happy about, yeah. <laughs> about <laughs>
0: me being offered the job.
1: Guy has the best room in the entire campus, and it's only his. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, that was quite an experience. And, uh, what's funny though is that, it, 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 I thought you were about to say that you probably spent more hours on the air there before you became general manager than afterwards. And you don't know how true that is. Because, if you recall, People who were addicted to radio and obsessed with it, and really were developing a total love for it, thought of every excuse to be in that studio. I would, I would engineer the board for a an audio replay of a Yeshiva College Maccabees basketball game just to be there between eleven and one on a you know
0: during the night when we have occasion to be on the campus. By the way, um, which happens more and more now, thank God. Um, and they try to make me park up there. I won't
1: go. <laughs> you will not go up uh,
0: to the. I will not go. I will that's not our yet. office. I we are not. I parking. am not parking here. It's like <laughs> I did know, it, I'm did still it. in a cemetery. I'm not going in. <laughs> I
1: like... did it once. We had a harrowing experience getting the car out, and I yeah. said to the kids, obviously we should have parked in to begin with. You can't park at WYOR's floor. It's, yeah, uh, crazy. And right. how many times you should know my kids. On that very same block have tried the WIUR code and oh, that yeah. little <laughs> code machine that's still there 30 years later that hasn't worked in
0: 25 years. Exactly. But they say, what was the code again? I tell them they press the buttons and nothing happens. It was so interesting. And we used to, and the legends of the, you can't say anything because the FCC is sitting in a oh, truck gosh. outside oh, and gosh. it's hysterical all that. Oh, and by gosh. the way, trivia question, I did show on FMU before I did a show. On WYUR, that's how. That's what I'm saying myself. You're associated with us so early in the yes. process. You graduated well, high school. Well, part before- of it is no. You, let's bring up our first guest. Who do we have there? Um, so our first guest is. I would say this guest was the general manager when you were general manager in Abstention. Oh, Robert. Robert Katz. Right. Hello,
2: Robert. It's impossible for Nahum to be an abstention on anything.
0: I'd like to know how
1: Robert can think of anything if the Mets are playing a deciding game tonight. That's what I'd like to know.
0: I'm, I'm having trouble focusing on this conversation. <laughs> what station is it? <laughs> to, to, to be fair, Robert agreed to appear when we thought the game would end in four, the series would end at four games. Um, do
2: you know, do you know I actually know two people, two Mets fans who flew out to Los <gasps> Angeles today for it, the game?
1: Are you serious? That's <laughs> I love that dedication and passion. I love that.
2: I know oh. two different guys. They don't know each other, and they're both on a plane right now oh, to Los Angeles. Unbelievable! And by the
0: way, That's as, a, as a field, Chavez Ravine is not necessarily in the top. We were there twenty-five. Together. You and I were there together. go.
2: Yeah, you know, has been there also. It's not that impressive. Robert, it's got great history, but
1: on the topic of sports, I was just telling Mark how, in those days, uh, back in the early days of WYUR, I was so obsessed. Passionate and in love with radio from the very beginning, that I would think of any excuse to have to be in the radio studio. I was saying that I would sit and engineer the board if there was a replay of an audio cast of a Yeshiva College basketball game that had to be on from 11 until 1 in the morning. Anything just to be there to be in that environment.
2: It's hard to explain to people what it's like to be addicted to radio, but, um, because I don't think people can understand, you know, they've heard of, you know, other addictions, you know, God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) but but we were addicted to radio oh. we 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 were drawn to that that door and once it would open, it, 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 that was our world. It you, was where we all felt comfortable, and
0: we, we all felt. We used to have, Nacho uh. and I used to have <laughs> radio endless <fights>. conversations. <laughs> of Larry King versus Ira Festel.
1: <laughs> we used to have endless radio fights on different hosts. That was like the, the, the heavyweight match was always Larry well, King versus yeah, Ira time. Yeah. I, I,
0: mean, I mean,
2: who? Uh, we might be the only three people in the world <laughs> talking about Ira Festel right. in the last Month. <laughs> that's for sure. But the fact that you, we all know who Ira Festel is, I used to call into Ira Festel. Do
1: you know, but you know you know what I remember? And you, you mentioned the passion and, and the, do you know that I'll never forget? We're going back now almost 35 years. One of the first interviews you ever did on WYUR, you'll recall, of course.
3: Yes, I do.
1: Bill Mazer and, oh, yeah, and Marv Albert. Remember Bill Mazer and Marv Albert. Now, true. this was, I mean, you talk about the get in radio for a Jewish kid. This was the get to get the two of them on a show. Robert Katz walks into the morgue, which of course is Morgan Stern Hall, and he sees me and shows me the flyer that, you know, what was going to be on that night or in a couple of nights, whatever it was, of these two guests. And we're celebrating. We are just having, like we're high fiving or whatever we did in those days. <laughs> and we are just celebrating that this is going to happen. And we and we we've gotten to the point where one of us was able to secure a lineup like this for the show. And then I remember I had something. I was doing some type of Jewish affairs thing, and I also had some interesting rabbi or guest whatever it was. And I told you about it, and you were so happy, like my gosh, this is going to be great. And it was just a wonderful feeling. I, I remember.
0: And, I remember at some point, maybe a junior or senior year, when we were doing the basketball games already in the MSAC. Um, Steve Summers, brought up to a game, and
2: it was a night to make Steve Summers' mother proud. Right,
0: and, and it was like, you know, it was like building for weeks that Steve <laughs> Summers is going to be here, and they like he walked from the subway <laughs> in a pair of jeans and a ripped tee, like it was like. <laughs>
2: You know this and, is. And what... by the way, why you beat Polytech that night, <laughs> eighty three to forty three. You remember this? Yes. And later that night, on his show, Steve Summers said Yeshiva trounced Polydrek by
0: forty. <laughs> Last Shabbos, um Jan Levine was a guest in our stool. Jan Levine. The Luzin. man with the lowest equilibrium, equilibrium. level in the world. I remember world. that's the the minute he walked into the stool I said to the guy next to me, That guy has the lowest equilibrium.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow.
2: We should tell people what we're talking about. Jan Levine was a uh, a uh, ball player. He was about probably the second or third man off the bench for the YU Max, a great defensive ball player, especially. And he was just, he played so low to like the a ground. Catcher.
0: He was like a baseball catcher.
2: Yeah. He played like, yeah, he was squatting. He was, he was in a perpetual squat on defense. It was funny. Yeah. That is funny.
1: I, and I got it, you know, especially with Robert on. I got, we talk about the early days, and I, I've told the story a million times, but I can't get through a conversation like this without mentioning Howie Bramson, for what a blessed memory. Right, and, and Phil Stupien's gonna call in next, so oh, should, yeah. Should I wait? I don't know if I should wait, but the, the, the bottom line is you talk about, you know, making an impression on, you know, the people who come after you or giving a word of encouragement. It's only because of his few words on a really desperate Thursday night in 1981, that I even thought I could go ahead and do this. The first show I ever did was in, was the worst piece of radio history ever. It should be the Museum of Broadcasting of what not to do on radio, and I'm expecting it to fire me, and he says, no, you'll, you know, don't listen, I'll never forget, he says, don't listen to the tape tonight, but you'll listen to the tape in a few days, and you got a few things to take care of, and you're going to be great.
0: It reminds me of the scene in um, a, a movie about a, ra- a a radio personality who's, daughter was a guest on Allison Joseph's show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um and it, the whole you know, the whole studio just falls apart right. and he thinks he's
1: never oh,
2: gonna
0: be correct. Right. I had the same experience. It was just well,
1: a, I mean I, I queued I, I up have records to, I would that have night. To say that, sorry, go ahead to no, say I was queuing up records that night on the air. Right. <laughs> you know you, you know what I remember the old LPs? But that was happening on mm-hmm. the air. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, I think that you know what? The most impressive uh aspect of all this was when you join a student organization at any college, you hear about fraternities and you hear about beer parties and you hear about all of the kinds of stuff. And you know, okay, at YU you expect it to be different, and and things obviously were different in most cases. Right. In most cases. In most cases. But when you when I when I first walked in to the radio station and I met Howie Bramson and I said, "This is the person who runs the radio station. Right. This is the person who um, is running the the one thing that I really want to get involved with. Wow, this is very impressive.
0: I, I um later in uh, it must have been a sophomore or junior when Dr. Keating was our faculty advisor, <laughs> and I asked her. I said, "I don't. I need. I, I remember how I phrased the question to her, but we always had trouble training students from Stern in the studio more than we had trouble training students from Yeshiva College, right? And I said, why, and I'm sitting in between Jamie and Miriam here, why is it harder to train the girls than the guys? And she had a very interesting insight. She said they come in assuming they're not going to understand it. And so therefore, no matter what you say, they think it's well over their head and they can't do it. And from then on, we changed that was the way. Her explanation. And, the, and from then on, we fundamentally changed. Yeah, I the way guess you we, could
2: say that in 1985, right? Not and, in and, it was, and it was,
0: and, and just for the yeah, it was. And it it was, was, a was a female teacher, it, right? correct? It was a female teacher. <laughs> so uh, it was, yeah, it was. That was always the the big struggle. You know,
1: it it's funny because Robert and I talk about you know uh, uh, giving something over to the next generation, whatever you want to call it, or just you know remembering a small episode that ends up being one of the most important episodes of your entire life. Robert and I had the chance. And you remember this, Robert, of course, on the same day together to go visit Howie Bramson when he was dying and essentially, essentially to thank him on what was almost his deathbed at that point, Robert, to thank him for what he did for us. Wow. And how often do you get an opportunity to, to pinpoint one person who's directly responsible for what happened and get the chance to, to just, you know, show appreciation?
2: I believe it was in a hospice that we, when we went yeah. to visit him, uh, yeah. actually. And if I'm not mistaken, right now, was it a hospice?
1: Yeah, I believe so.
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget that either. Never, but uh, I remember
1: walking out with you as we looked at each other knowing we'd never see him again and just thinking what it was like to express all that to him.
2: Yeah, um, for those, to those of, you know, who are not informed, Howie Bramson was the general manager of WYUR 8182 and passed away way too early. Um, what was he, in his 30s, 40s? Yeah.
1: I think less than 40.
2: Less than 40, yeah.
1: And anybody affiliated with Yeshiva Flatbush would remember him, certainly. One of the great teachers Mr. there. Bramson, Prime, Mr. Mr. Bramson, of so. course. Um, yeah, so, Robert, tiny,
0: tiny I, I asked Nachman. It was a much easier question to, for him to answer. Um, I'll, I'm going to ask everybody who calls in today. Um, fi- finish the sentence. If not for W I U R, I I never would have...
2: Uh, I uh, I have five answers. I'm just trying to decide which is the most politically correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> now he's thinking
1: uh, back to the party days. <laughs>
2: well, you know, um, okay, ask the question one more time, Mark.
4: If not for <laughs> WYUR,
0: I never would have.
2: Gained the confidence I have in my ability to relate to people.
0: Okay, and, and by the way we didn 't really properly introduce robert robert's the the chief development officer of ohel, so somebody certainly at the top of his game in uh, in the fundraising field
1: and his year was eighty forty five
0: his year eighty forty five and he by the way, is the answer to the trivia question is why I ended up. I'm um, hosting shows on WFMU before I hosted shows on WYUR.
2: Robert's the answer? Well, yeah.
0: Oh, you had to know this was coming, Nahum. I, mean, I know, honestly don't. I
2: don't me, this I don't is like this. bait. I'm a fish oh, swimming would, in the water. He wouldn't give, would give you a job? He
1: wouldn't give you a job. Oh, yeah, He knew
2: this was coming. I was no, like, all right, great. I'm going to go. I just at what point in the conversation, <laughs> and I told him I had to get off the phone at a quarter past the hour because exactly. that's radio talk. It. Exactly. For, for, those, for those listeners, quarter past the hour. And so um, – I knew it was coming, but, uh.
1: You mean Robert
0: knew you had no talent before we do? Exactly. <laughs> he was able to recognize that. Robert recognized I was always a better producer than I was a host. There you go. So, uh, what are you gonna do? Anyway, Robert, I know you have to run. Best, I, we, guys. we really, really you, appreciate it. I Thank mean, you and, very and, much.
2: And, 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 and. If it means anything to, to those listening, we all know that we could go on for hours. Oh, yes. Oh, and yeah. we all know that we could have a campfire going. and we should and just, do that. Remember that, we
0: had the 18th anniversary yeah, when, uh, that was great. when, when uh, Howard T. Koenig was station manager again?
2: Yeah, we had the dinner in Belfort Commons. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, we we so, could do this for hours. Those I mean, days. it was, uh, I, I only hope and pray that everyone at some point in their lives had the amazing experience, the kind of experience that we had at WYUR. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well said. Thank you, Robert. Bye-bye. Thank you, um Yeah. Hey, and by the way, it, it's so interesting because I think you'll hear. Um, Can we tweet of, that out, by the way? Robert knew you had no talent for the rest of us. There. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's fine. Um, the, uh, that, um, I mean, Robert always had, and you had said this, probably the best voice. Oh, come on. Arguably the most talented person to ever walk out of WYUR. Right, and 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 again, it's something that comes up um, on Jamie the amp oh, all, all the time. Right, he He's would have been so freaking smooth. He would have well, been. Robert and
1: I had discussed 30 years ago. There's right. no doubt he would have been a. A um, four major sport, major league announcers. Uh, no
0: question about sure. it. Sure, I mean,
1: um, especially and, now in an era where there's a million
0: of them. And so, um, and, and the one thing that I would add is that the story goes by, you know, the, the Robert story that he's told many times, that um, one day when he was interning at uh, WNBC, mm-hmm. um, the general manager comes in and goes, "I have an open slot." I need the two of you, he points to two guys, right. to do a demo for me. Whoever does a better demo is going to be an open slot. And Robert says, when's the slot? He said, Friday night. And he turns to Mike Breen and he says, it's yours. Correct. And those are the listeners, just Google Mike Breen. And when I, it's when I. He's the announcer for the NBA. Correct. And when I see Mike Breen, which has happened once, right. I sent him regards from Robert Katz and a big smile came to his face. So our next guest, you can come back to your previous conversation, yeah. is uh, Phil Slepian. Hi, welcome to the welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. You film. obviously mean the legendary, legendary, The legendary in <laughs> Legend th- my own mind. Um, wait, so I have one question before one uh, question. For some reason, I have in my head, and I'm sure I've said it to you 20 million times in the past tw- uh, 15 years, and you've never corrected me. That your nickname was Phil Funk. Is that true?
3: That, that was my on-air name. Oh, was his on-air name? Sorry, I did not make right. that up. That was my show's name. You know, it was it was the Tidal Wave Show, which right. was basically a modern rock or new wave type show in the early '80s. That's that, that was my swan song at Why You Are, because by then I had already been station manager and finished with that. Um, but I, I was it was the Tidal Wave Show with Phil Funk because Sleppian saying it on the air, <laughs> if you can say it without getting the mic screen all wet, is just. You know that's an accomplishment you right had, there.
1: You had a co-host, or you did that yourself.
3: Uh, I started out in the fall with a co-host who transferred out of the school in the middle of the year. So then and, I got the the whole big hour and fifteen minutes to myself. And so. give
1: us give us an artist that was typical on your playlist, so people would Tip, understand.
3: Typical playlist artists could have been uh, people that, that would hear that would still know about them now would be groups like the Clash, oh, yeah. uh, stuff like that. You know, at a time when rock and roll to most YU students meant Billy Joel. Right. Or maybe kiss. Right, it's not. Okay, so I <laughs> so I was trying to you know uh, I was trying to bring you know Adam and the Ants, and I was trying to bring uh, some, some you know, British import, British new wave. Uh, Phil
1: was trying to make it a real college radio experience.
3: Trying, because <laughs> that's because that's actually you know don't forget I was a transfer student into YU. Right. You know, I had gone to Johns Hopkins as a freshman, and the year that I was there was the year that they went from a carrier current station to uh, a low-power FM broadcast station oh, like right. a 10 or 15 waters. So for the people that were doing the, the shows, and I had a show there, uh, you had to run down to downtown Baltimore and get your FCC license. Right. In those days, you couldn't go on air without an FCC license.
1: I still have mine somewhere. Me too.
3: He, yep. Yeah, I, I definitely saved mine. It's long-expired. but You uh, so we we don't all give got them out anymore, up. by the way.
1: You don't, need, yeah, one you don't anymore. need one anymore.
3: No, I know. No, so they, they dropped that requirement years ago. But at the time, you had to have it. Uh, so, so then for a few months, I had a weekly show when, you know, we had 10 or 15 watts covered most of downtown Baltimore. You know, so, uh, so it was kind good. of fun. Yeah. You In know those days, I was a prog rock guy.
0: You know? it, it, what's super interesting is, so, you know, the question of how we meet people, um, over the course of our lives. So Phil's in-laws, the Hollands, live across the street from us. Oh, yeah, how do you that's like right. that? So that's how, you know, so they Phil... They know he's a radio legend? Or I don't know. know. So um, <laughs> so Phil, and they still let him marry his daughter. Um, so uh, They didn't
3: know about any of this before they, I married his Phil daughter.
0: Phil frequents the young Israel of Tinek on the Chagim. And yep. so when we saw them on, uh, when I saw him on Sukkot, I asked him, but I've... Obviously, you know, spoken to Phil, we walked back from school occasionally, and I never, until this very moment, heard his radio voice.
3: Oh. And I don't know if it's... Well, turned it you know, on. I'm getting over a cold, so you're still not hearing it. No, but it's so. just
0: the whole rhythm of
3: listening oh, to him, yes, and when you cut. He's kind, smooth.
1: You, it just, it's... He's, Phil is what year? What year were you general manager? Uh, Phil?
3: well, uh, general manager was my second year at YU, so that would have been, uh, let's see, uh, 80, 81.
1: Wow. So you were right there, right before Howie.
3: Yeah, I, I, I was instrumental in that. See, so, alright, so here's, so, you know, I, I made a few notes so that I wouldn't get all over the place, but, so I, I show up at YU, you know, and I've always been fascinated by radio and music and, you know, broadcasting, so I figured, okay, here I am at YU, I'm gonna get involved with the radio station. And those were the days of, you know, Josh Kaplan and, uh, right, so was it gorgeous. Al Klein? I know, um, who was a Klein? Klein? was the station manager uh when I got there. Uh I can't remember his first name. But um I was an, I, I was I can't believe it doesn't time, ring a bell for okay. me. Yeah, he was he was station manager and we're talking seventy nine eighty. Can't believe it doesn't ring. Okay. A bell. So uh his name was Stu, Stu Klein, maybe? I don't know, I'm having trouble with the first name. But anyway, nice guy. He was a really behind the scenes guy. Uh Josh Kaplan was you know, he was you know, he made eventually made a career in media. So right uh he was totally serious about it he made my voice sound like a you know like a uh, uh like a 13 year old's going through yeah, the change you know Josh was good yeah you know, Josh was the best you know and he and he he had connections at at NBC right. And other places, and he, you know, he always, you know, he, he was responsible for getting us all those, those, uh, carts, you know, that, that we were able to put promos on, uh, you know, he, he just showed up one day with 800 of them that NBC was getting rid of. I think you know? he was
1: even responsible for getting us to a couple of uh, radio conventions at that time that took place in Manhattan. I think that was his I, doing.
3: That's possible. I think that was before my time. But I do remember once going to hear Don Imus right. ad- address a bunch of college broadcasters. Right.
1: I was it. at that one.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. That's when Don Imus was still uh, behaving badly. Right. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. But so, so I show up and, you know, first of all, you know, so I'm coming in as a sophomore, but, you know, I'm new to the school. So I, I, you know, I auditioned for a show just like everybody else did. Um, I'm trying to remember if I even got one. I don't think I did, but what happened was, in very short order, there was a, a, a program director you know he did something that broke a lot of rules and you have to remember at this time the YUR was the only ongoing co-educational you know activity
1: even the drama society the,
3: the drama society had one for men one for women oh no no, no so this no, was it. it
1: it was only yeah, this
3: this was it you, you know you had occasionally you would have co-ed events right but they were one-offs right. as far as ongoing things we had we had the the YU van would come up town from Stern right. twice a week tuesday wednesday up, right uh, right, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, see, by a the, time, load by, of by the time I was there, it was show. every night.
0: By the time I was there, it was every night. Right.
3: Okay, well, it was twice a week then. Yeah, right. uh, and we had, you know, and uh, and the problem was that, so this guy, I don't know exactly what he did. I wasn't told. I didn't really want to know. All I know is that he had to resign. This was we're talking September, October, early in the year uh... had to resign and josh you know saw that i had you know uh, an FCC license and some experience on the on-air and he asked me if i wanted to take over the program director job so i said great you know why not so I set about trying to run the station the way that an FCC licensed station would have been run, <laughs> even though we were not, right. which meant, you know, log books that had to be filled out, IDs all that stuff. And I instituted a system of fines, which made me somewhat less popular with right. a lot of the guys than, uh, than I would have been otherwise, because if you failed to do that ID, or if you thought it was funny to play the same song five, so- five times in a row, right. or if you thought it was funny to play a song with prohibited language in it, right. uh, you know, and the logs enabled me to see that even when I couldn't listen, uh, I would hit the guys with a fine or a suspension or depending on what it was. And the reason for that being is is there was always a bit of a tug of war between the administration and the station mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, how we presented ourselves. You know, it, it, it remember, we're carrier current station. You can only pick us up in the dorms. And if you're really lucky, right outside the dorms with a mm-hmm. transistor radio, you know, but, uh, but because we're Yeshiva University, uh, certain standards were expected of us that were beyond the standards that a regular college campus radio station might have, even if it wasn't on the air. Uh, you know, so, so we had that, that give and take, and, you know, Rabbi Miller of Blessed Memory, you know, he was the, Guy, he was the you know the student dean. Without and, him,
1: we would have been finished. Frankly,
3: in my <laughs> well, era. he held the sword of Damocles over us all the time. Yep,
1: that's
2: and true.
3: that was you know and that was his thing. And he would call us in every fall. He would call in the board of directors right. and give us juice and cookies, right. and you know and and you know talk to us about the history of the station and how it wasn't always uh, you know a station that that was a good representative of YU values, uh, and that it was our job to make sure that it was. You know, and that if it, and if at any point we didn't do our job well, you could kiss it goodbye, right. which was pretty much the message. Right. And we had it, to, you know, and, and, and so my year went by fairly well. We, you know, I tried to clean up the station's image a little bit in terms of its social image. Uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, it wasn't just a place for guys to meet girls. It was a radio station, right. you know. Uh, and, you know, so what happened is that the following year I, I was elected or however it became, you know, became a station manager. Uh, so we're talking eighty eighty one, and we had a pretty good crew, and that's when I went to uh, uh, Howie, you know, blessed memory. And and the idea being that I looked around and I said, of all the people that are involved with the radio station, who's like the most well behaved, exemplary, you know, straight shooter, played by the rules kind of guy that I can find, you know? And it was Howie, you know, because uh, he was he was just a, a really decent, nice guy, you know, and I knew that he wouldn't do anything. That would cause us problems.
1: And by the way, Howie, when he was finishing his term, thought the same way, and that's how he went to Saul. Saul Guberman.
3: Yes, because well, well, no, no, Saul, Saul. Yeah, right, right, right. Saul. Right. Saul came after Howie. Yeah. Be, yeah. Saul yeah, was yeah, right after yes, him. Yes. 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 And he yes, was right.
1: thinking the same thing you were thinking. And by the way, right. you know, in all modesty. Um, I think I think one of the reasons they tried to get me onto the board as soon as possible is they knew my relationship with some of the administration there and felt yep. it would be an easier relationship if I was. That,
5: and
3: also because they knew you were a, a, a nice, Thanks. decent, straight guy. You know, well, thank they, you very you know, much. That, No, you you are.
1: But what I've learned from this conversation is that what I always refer to as the Bramson era, in many ways, really started because of what you implemented.
3: It actually started because of the misbehavior of the people that right. came before us, and, and we were had... so afraid of being shut down right. or defunded or whatever. Right. Uh, that was always a big fear, and we had our stern coordinator. That was the you know the person. Yeah, that, who was know, it then? <laughs> the year that I was station manager was Miriam Husney. Don't remember. And I don't know where she is nowadays, but she was a super fiery, you know, sparty, you know, you know, very assertive person. She was I had, great. Uh, Amy
1: Greenswag, who was your stern coordinator? Do you remember? I think
0: Stacy's
1: Ze- Stacey oh, Stacy Weitz,
3: right. Okay. Now Stacy's wife. So wow. so the so the actually no I I take it back. That's the year that I was program director. She was uh she was stern coordinator. What was so her the name? year before. What was her name again? Miriam Husney. Okay, we're looking it up as you speak. Okay. <laughs> uh probably class of 82 maybe 81, I don't know. Anyway, so um so what happened was, you know, the the meeting with Rabbi Miller in the fall was was pretty formulaic. Uh, and the same thing pretty much happened every year. There was a very unfortunate incident that happened before any of us had even started at YU, where somebody read an article from Time Magazine over the air that was completely inappropriate. Mm. Uh, but they figured, hey, it's in Time Magazine, I can do it, you know, whatever. Right. You know, and it was a push the envelope kind of thing, and there was all kinds, you know, and a, I don't know if they actually shut the station down, or they sh- shuttered it temporarily, it was a big shanda, you know. And, uh, so we got together before the meeting, and Klein, who I can't remember his first name, uh, says to us, you know, this is how the meeting's going to go. Every year we sit down with Rabbi Miller and he's, you know, he'll welcome us and introduce us, you know, shake hands with everybody and say hello to everybody. And then he's going to go into this story about what happened a couple of years ago with this article in Time magazine. And Miriam, you know, she was like, you know, that happened before we got here and we're not those people and we're not going to do that kind of thing and more, res- we're, we're, you know, mature and we're responsible. And, 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 and Klein said, I know. I agree with you, you're right, but... You're going to sit there and you're going to smile and you're going to nod and then when he's done, you're going to say we understand and that's it. And you know, and she and, and she goes, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. We get into this meeting with Rabbi Miller, and you know, sure enough, he is exactly the way uh, Klein said it was going to be. He you know introduces us. We have juice and cookies, and then he says, you know, a few years ago, and then and then she just bursts out right there in the meeting. She goes, Rabbi, if you're going to talk about that incident that happened a couple of years ago, we all know about it. It wasn't us. We weren't even here then. We're not, you know. and. And, and the rest of us are sitting there going, ah! <laughs> like we were we were mortified, you know. And Rabbi Miller may rest in peace. He just sort of smiled and chuckled a little bit, and he goes, "Well, okay, I guess I made my point, you know." But it was. It but was now you know. Very
1: funny. But now you know why we refer to it as the golden age, because that transformation and the seriousness and the appropriateness that came into why you are at that time really led to an we unbelievable all took it era. era. Seriously, yeah, it was yeah, like it
3: was a lot era. of fun. And don't forget, in those days, you know, we're talking pre compact disc era days internet no nothing so we had lps, yeah, LPs had and we had we had news programs and we had sports coverage real to real of the rub sheer yeah. you know uh, and, and we had we had tanya on the air right. and you know from the uh, from the chabad uh, uh that were on campus uh, it was it was a very varied program you know that the big problem though was the technical challenges you know at, at at Johns Hopkins, there's a school of engineering. Okay, so you literally <laughs> like have you guys sitting that. around with hot soldering irons, right. waiting for something to do. Oh, oh, you need uh, a new phono preamp? No problem. You know they, they, they're excited by this. Why you? We didn't have any of that. If something broke, we were we were in trouble. We had Howard T. Right, right. exactly. You had Howard T. And Sam and Sam, Sam uh, Benson Benson. And, you know, the few guys who knew how to use a soldering iron or they knew their way around a circuit board or whatever, they were like gold. Well, uh about that.
0: <laughs> I, I, before I let you go, I have uh, – so I'm asking everybody who calls in yeah. to finish the following statement. Uh-oh. If not for WYUR, I would have never
3: – what? Hmm. Not for WYUR, I would have never <sighs> – I think I, I would say ex- expanded the musical horizons for a lot of YU students.
1: Okay. Very good.
3: Very good. I, I think that's what I tried to do.
0: Awesome. Phil Sleppian, thank you for joining <laughs> us. We really great appreciate to talk it. To you guys. Thank, thank you, Love you. With
3: everything. Be well. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark.
0: Thank you, sorry Nakam. No, not at all. I, it still comes back to the fact that I'm a better producer than I am, a host. <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know what our next guest will say about that since he was there when I was there. I'm happy to welcome to the airwaves of the Knockham Siegel Network. The station manager, when I was program director, or one of them, one of the two, will speak to today. Robbie Zeitz, welcome, Robbie.
6: Hi, Mark. How are you? Um,
0: I'm 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 well. How are you? So I'm wondering Good. I'm wondering if the the following statement is true. If not, for WYUR, Robbie Zeitz would have never married a girl from Chicago. Are we saying that or? Uh...
6: Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to steal. I I didn't know if you had met her through WYUR or uh, or or. I, I,
6: I did, and. Uh... I got I was I had the pleasure when I was uh chief uh I forget what it was. Chief really engineer. Called. Uh but I was able to uh train train my wife Stacy for uh for her show that she did on WYUR.
0: And it was the last thing she ever listened to you tell
6: just kidding. That is correct. That is correct.
0: It's like Rabbi Udin's line under the chup at my wedding. This is the last time you get to put your foot down. Um, so, uh, so we're just, uh, re- you know, reminiscing about, uh, about the days of WYUR and how, I don't know if it, we would say it changed our life, but it, it certainly, um, for me and everybody else we've spoken to so far today, had a, a, a very lasting impression. What would you, uh, how, what would you say to that?
6: I would agree wholeheartedly. It was, uh, it was really, it was an amazing experience. Um certainly never dreamed that coming from uh coming from Montreal and never been exposed to anything like that that you know I would be on the radio you know given whatever limit we were in um but it was really an amazing experience it, I learned a tremendous amount about technical things about music about the business, and made incredible friends forever
0: and and i and I would think that it's also it, it... It was a tremendous amount of freedom that we all took the responsibility of very seriously.
6: Yes, yes. And and we committed to being on the air for whatever number of hours we were, and we undertook, I think, some amazing um, things. You know, the most memorable things I think we did were, a lot of the remotes that we did. And, uh, and the basketball surprise, games, right? we
0: were the fir- we. you and I produced the first uh, WIOR basketball games at the Maxter Athletic Center.
6: And not only did we do it there, but we took it on the road too.
0: Yes, those were the days. That was amazing. As, we just had Robert uh, on before. It was just, it, it really is. It was, It was. I don't know, it was very real to everything that we did and we took it so seriously and it consumed us on many yeah. levels.
6: Yes, and, uh You know, I think back then our biggest worry was were we going to get the new records in on time, Um, or as my kids call them, the big CDs, Um, or can we find a phone line that was far enough to stretch to a gym?
0: It was unbelievable. Yeah, and and by the way, I think that at least you know the first year we did it, the 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 sports department was very accommodating to try to do everything they could to help us. That they thought it was a cool thing to add to the situation.
6: Yeah, and I think it really uh, it, it it brought listeners in, and it it, it expanded the dimension of of, uh, of the Max and 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 the broadcast.
4: Um.
0: Uh, yes, and and you know until today, I mean the the, the truth is now it's sort of done separate from W I U R by Max Live, but or the a lot of the stuff there. But it's just you know it it always made it feel when I go to the to the Sarachuk tournament when I would take the kids. You know, the, the athletes even take it very seriously. I, look, I sit behind Lear Hoden-Schul and it still comes up all the time. Yep. You know, it's amazing. So any anyway, I, I was for those people who haven't been paying attention for the past 30 years on, on, uh, in the Nakhon Siegel Network. So I was program director for two years, the second of which Robbie Zeitz was general station manager, the first of which Jack Abramowitz was station manager. So welcome to the air, Jack
4: Abramowitz. Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: It, it is, it is so interesting um as uh, you know cuz occasionally you know uh, many of us are in communication certainly via social media all the time everybody's radio voice just comes right back when they're on the air although may, jack maybe you do more professionally than uh, more often than we do i guess technically but
4: uh, no but i do i do affect the uh, the radio voice when i'm recording a shear or if i happen to call into a show like this one certainly more uh, more radio voice than my normal speaking voice
0: um, Jack works for the, uh, Orthodox Union as the Torah editor. Is that the? Yes,
4: I'm uh, the editor of
0: OU Torah. OU Everybody should check it out. Some great stuff there, right? So, so I'm asking, and I have uh, Robbie Zeitz on the air as well. Um, and, and so the, the first part of the show was sort of Nahum with Phil Slepian and, uh, and Robert Katz reminiscing. And then it was really transitioning to the years that we were on WYUR together. And, um, if if not for w y u r Jacob Bromertz, you would have never what?
4: I, I really couldn't say that the uh, the skills are all that fungible to my day to day life. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, how often am I asked to you know cue up a turntable? It doesn't doesn't come up that often. But if it ever does, I am ready. That's fair.
0: But mm-hmm. what uh, what about your from a leadership management kind of uh, perspective and responsibilities? How does Did you take away anything from that?
4: Um, I think that it's it's a different kind of experience, but for people who have a certain personality type to begin with. I mean, for example, throughout high school, I was involved with, with writing things. I'm still involved with writing things. So the yearbook, the newspaper. I was editor of my high school newspaper for three years, which is pretty unusual. And yet in college, I couldn't even... Get you know onto the school paper because just the competition from from all over the country, so many more people, it's, it's a different uh, thing. And uh, I stumbled into uh, to the radio station because that seemed like an interesting thing to do. So, not, not everyone aspires to the same role. So I think that that part of it is inherent in a person, but getting leadership experiences and management experiences in a different kind of thing, <clears throat> excuse me, than you're used to, that definitely helps round you out. So what I had done before as an editor and then getting some experience as a station manager, a different kind of uh, leadership experience. So it it helps make for a better rounded picture.
0: Um, Any uh, uh, Robbie, any uh, follow-up comment to that?
6: No, I think it really, uh, I I agree with what Jack said. I mean, it really helped round out and really helped hone certain skills that maybe we never knew we had.
0: And, and, and again, I keep coming back to the fact that we just—and when you look back, it's, it, it may be comical to some point. We took it very seriously.
4: Oh yeah, because this was this was live. There's not like we have a deadline Friday, and if we don't do it tonight, we'll do it tomorrow. This is on the air right now, and if something breaks down, it needs fixing right now. I was engineer before I was before I was manager, and honestly, I had no engineering background whatsoever. And you remember Howard? I'm sure Howard Koenig was. Sure. Station manager before me, he trained me and uh, did uh, did a great job of, of familiarizing me with the equipment. And you have to be on call. I had to give up uh, the dramatic society when I when I became chief engineer, because I had to be available. That if something went wrong, you know, if I'm on stage, they can't wait. Radio is live.
0: It is. It's interesting that you. It just popped into my head that, um, and I don't know how long this went. I'm counting four in a row of. It would be counterintuitive that chief engineers become station managers these days. Usually, you're coming from the programming or the music side, but Howard T. became station manager after chief engineer. You became station manager after chief engineer. Robert became station manager after chief, after chief engineer. I mean, Robbie became, and then, do you want to bring him up? And we and i and when I was playing the show, I completely didn 't even think about, oh, you know, there was WYOR after we left mm-hmm. and the 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 station manager after um Robbie was the chief engineer when Robbie was gener- station manager Jeff Sarason, and welcome to the air Jeff
5: Hello, how are you
0: so it was it, it. so at least four in a row that we can count right now, chief engineers became station managers.
4: I think that would be less uncommon in a college environment than it would be in the professional world. Because in the professional world, the employees would certainly have that career path that would have worked towards towards developing those skills. And in in college radio, everyone's a novice. And you're, you're learning this skill, you're learning that skill. And it's certainly easier to make lateral moves than it is in, in the business world, where if you want to go from, you know, the working, you know, under the booth to being the guy behind the booth and then being the guy in the office, it's totally different skill sets in, in the working world, I think, more than in college when it's a learning experience
6: for everyone.
0: We didn't think we were learning. We thought we knew everything back then.
6: Yeah, don't young well, people we had always? To know, we had to know everything because nothing could go wrong.
0: That's. I, I remember we were doing a show um, with Lenny Solomon, and it was amazing also. You know, like, I mean, Lenny Solomon was Lenny Solomon, and he would just come in, and him and Yona Lloyd would come in and do a show on WYOR with us when he Dropped a new album. It was, uh, and then some engineering issue came up, and Howard T was behind the board while we were on the air with Lenny trying to fix something. That's sort of the way we rolled. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I have a funny Lenny Solomon anecdote. Go ahead. That, uh, I knew Lenny from, from before he went into music professionally. Uh, he was an advisor when I was in NCSY. And when I came to YU, uh, he, he joined me and, and recorded a, uh, scripted comedy interview. And it was pre-recorded. We put it on during my show, and just the phones started going wild. People calling up, wanting the phones. I never saw like that. But Lenny's on the air, even though it was pre-recorded. Everyone's like, "Can I talk to Lenny? Is Lenny there?" So his his star was definitely rising at that time.
0: It still is probably rising. Uh, now a resident of Big Shemesh, but the king of Schlock,
4: mm-hmm. um
0: For those of pe- people who haven't put two and two together, anyway. Um, so any any long lasting memories you want to share, Jack? First.
4: Well, it was it was a great experience. Um, I'm, I didn't go into it professionally. I mean, some of us uh, stuck with radio, but uh, you know, still, it was it was a great bunch of people sharing a common goal, and it's just the kind of thing you don't normally get to do. As I mentioned, you know, I did writing in high school. I do writing now. You know, that's that's essentially the same, but uh, the radio is just a a unique thing. It's a different experience. And, uh, again, not everyone's going to be able to do it. Not everyone's going to be interested in doing it. But it's, it's a, a nice way to spread your wings and experiment with something new. And for the chosen few who uh, choose to stick with it, uh, you can certainly do something with it.
0: I appreciate your calling in, Jack. Um, Jack Abramowitz, the Torah editor for the OU, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thank you. Robbie, besides the um, aforementioned, uh, the former Stacey Weiss, any lasting memories of WYU? are you to share?
6: I just think it was such an amazing experience, and it was really something very unique that uh that that really defined a good part of uh being in y u and and uh really great memories of it.
0: It certainly didn't afford us a lot of free time.
6: Correct, and the grades probably, uh, you know, kind of reflected that too, probably, I, along the way.
0: I still believe that my diploma was a gift from my Edelstein, so, uh, <laughs> I actually had a recurring dream of about 10 years after I graduated that they knocked on the door of my parents' house, uh, asking for my diploma back because it was a mistake, so, uh, uh, but there was also a fair bit of other things that we all did while we were there, um, other than the radio. I mean, I, I remember being as a senior being on the canvassing committee for the elections. I remember running the Hanukkah concert at least for a year or two. Right. And they were definitely you were involved in JSS as well. So I mean there were definitely other yeah, things that JSS, we did.
6: that's the first aid club, Canada Club. We did the first concert in the in the new gym. Oh for yeah, with and Gary Joe for Robbie yeah, Old Carol and, and Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, right.
0: Yeah, wow. That's he was going to Israel now in a couple of weeks, so uh, right. that's awesome.
6: But it was just—it was an amazing, amazing experience.
0: So um, we're going to. Tra- so thank you very much, Robbie, for 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 calling in and reminiscing about WIUR on the Nachum Segal awesome. Network. Thanks, Thank Robbie. You so much. So, so we Take transitioned care. to, Robbie and I transitioned to Jeff Saracen, who was probably uh, got a, a year young, meaning that he was a junior when you became station manager, right, Jeff? Correct. And so there were, I, and again, I was, you know, I think the minute I left YU, I was going through YU withdrawal very, very quickly. Um, you had some significant challenges when, technically when you were a station manager, did you?
5: Yeah, the there was an electric strike on the the garage where it was, well, and it fried the board. We were down completely, and I had to rebuild the station. Wow. And it, it's funny when we talk about, you know, the Kesher and Howie Bramson, because Howie was at Yeshiva Flatbush with my sister, Michelle, and he was like, oh, you need to speak to Rabbi Miller. I didn't know. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I didn't know Rabbi Miller. Well, no one had gone into him for the station for years. Right. And he was so happy to be involved again on a detail level. I made this cashier with him through Howie to get the funding to rebuild. And I did I rebuild in the old garage. Then they moved us into Belfer Hall. So I actually had to rebuild once and move the station during my year.
0: So you were in Belfer before they moved to Schottenstein?
5: Correct. Because they took over. They needed the parking. They kicked the... They kicked us out before the theater, but they moved us into uh, basically an office, into Belfer. Wow. That's probably
0: the best uh, home that W.Y.U.R. had in a
5: before since.
0: <laughs> yes. What floor on Belfer?
5: It was fourth floor, if I remember correctly. Fourth floor. Is
0: that where the presidential suite is now? No, maybe that's a little know. higher. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you had the office before Richard Joel did. Uh, <laughs> Um, so so, so the question I'm asking all of our uh, guests this morning is, if not for WYUR, Jeff Saracen would have never what?
5: I don't think I would be in life where I am today, actually, because when I was came to YU, they didn't think the kid from Charleston, South Carolina, was actually coming. So instead of being put as a freshman in Reuben, I was put onto the third floor of MUFs. In the, high in the old Reed's building. In the high and for room. anyone who knows those old H-Box, there was no even direct access to the floor. So when I'd go back to my room, there were no posters, there was no internet then of this is what's happening. I had no clue what was going on on campus. And it was only because you brought me in, Mark, and bringing me out and seeing what was going on was I even aware of what was going on in campus because I was totally isolated. Wow. So it's made my friends and it's made who I am. Wow,
0: that's amazing. And I think that you're probably not alone in terms of uh you know what it did. And I was been saying you know for the past forty minutes, we all took it so seriously.
5: This was it was like life and death whatever we were doing on W I O R. Oh, we we stopped the classes that were you know missed and then everything. Classes, like who needed
0: this- classes?
5: Classes, you know, as as meeting, meeting the phone company again to get the lines turned on, to, you know, learning how to get a transmitter running, uh, how many hours I spent. Uh, we knew we might be moving, so I actually worked with a bunch of people um, there and had built the boxes modularly so that stations could be moved from place to place at the time without having to rewire everything, hardwire every time. So how long were you down during that year? Down for three and a half months wow. because I couldn't. Uh, I had to get the funding. You know, worked. Uh, you know, you well, basically and, a whole you semester. Pick the board and everything, but then I had to get the funding, and nobody wanted to release. Uh, you know, all the money that wasn't expected to rebuild the station.
0: I almost remember that the disco with radio systems. Right? Was that the name of the company? I think so. Um, and so, th- basically, you were down for a whole semester.
5: Yeah, well, down, but I was working hard every day. (laughs) Oh, you know what I mean, but you were off the air, I'm sorry. We were off the air because, uh, you know, had to, because we didn't have the, it was gone, I mean, it was shot, the board was gone.
0: Right. All because of faulty wiring or some such thing. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Any, uh, well, I guess I would say any, it would be almost redundant, any lasting memories. I mean, that's really your, your initiation by fire to life is to, to take on a project like that when, you know, in hindsight, you probably think, what was I, crazy?
5: Oh, crazy, and, you know, you were gone, Robbie was gone, I was a junior, and it was like, okay, this is it, you know, you've got to do it because no one else is going to do it, and people are like, what are you working so hard?" It's like, it's the radio station, we have to do this, and I think, if you think of all the clubs in YU. A lot of them change, I don't know now, but then it would just change year to year. Who's coming in? Who's coming out? With the radio station, we really set, you weren't only working for yourself then. The people before you set you up and then you're training the next people to make sure it continued from year to year. Who did you, who was, did you do it for one year or two years? I did it for one year, um, and, uh, it was Larry, uh, Rosenblatt who wow. took the over. There are a
0: lot of di- connections to, uh, to, to, to the Nahum Siegel network there so larry Larry Rosenblatt and Mattis Weingest are married to sisters um, so that 's uh, one of larry 's connections to the uh, extended uh, nahum Siegel network staff. Wow, so Larry took over from you uh, and it was so interesting, and I appreciate your commenting to my Facebook post early in the week, but you know i I had been thinking about doing a show like this for some time, and what 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 flipped my what flipped the switch for me. Was, I knew I had to do a show this week. I knew I wasn't going to get a chance to record it, which meant that taking calls was actually easier because I didn't have to worry about pre-recording them at home. And Phil Slepian was in Shul on, um, on, uh, on Sukkis and he was a former general station manager, at WYUR. And so it occurred to me, oh, let me, let me ask Phil if he wants them. Once Phil said yes, and I started, uh, poking around to our other guests. So, um, it worked out, uh, very well. I appreciate it. So um I, I I appreciate so Jeff Saracen was station manager from eighty eight eighty nine? Was that Correct. eighty eight eighty nine. Very nice. So thank you, Jeff, for calling in. I appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Um yes. we appreciate your time. And um good luck. We'll uh see you um I don't know, tomorrow, Shabbos. Whatever, yes, see you. Soon.
5: Thanks at some so
0: point. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. So um this is Mark Zomek. This is the stunt show. I should have done done that twenty five minutes ago, I guess, uh I am definitely a better uh, producer than I am a host. Um this is the Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Who's up next? You just sent out the new schedule of Rummy. No, who's up next Thursday at one o'clock? of um, uh, our, uh, everybody still refers to as executive assistant of Rummy, but you have a new title, don't you? What does the business card say?
4: Um I don't know. I was, uh, managing director, I believe, but, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, the other one has a better ring for on air, like executive assistant from him has a better on air ring, I guess. A better, it flows better for a title. So yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk to Nachum <laughs> during the live lunch. Nachum
0: mentioned to me that he uh he had posted something with everybody's title, and he listed me as music director, which I said fine because he's he's referred to me as music director for the Nachum Signal Network for a while. And it is Mark Zamek's album of the week, and so on. Yeah, that's fine. Even though you end up picking it half the time, Um <laughs> uh, I, I did think though that. Considering the fact that the title is my entire salary, that's what I get paid to be here. I <laughs> think it should be something, you know, Grand Puba or or, 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 or some bigger. I was thinking of, of Grand Vizier, but I think that's a translation of Haman's title, and I don't want to go there. So um, I'm sure you can put in a request. Con- uh, 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 <laughs> you al- got some, Paul. <laughs> al- although I'm not sure. I don't know if they're listening in the car. It, I don't know if Miriam Wallach would consider Consigliere. That's a good one. Because I think. Based on, well, what, what do you think, Jamie? Of the role that I play, you're not a Godfather fan to know that, you know Consigliere is? Oh my gosh. I'm so old.
4: I know. And okay. I'm much younger than you. Okay, thanks. What <laughs> was but the uh...
0: joke I did the other day? Oh, it's oh. Mayor Furtig is up next week. Mayor Furtig is, thank you, Mayor Furtig. Um, so it'll be another great edition of the stunt show. I guess that we're all, it's me, Mayor Furtig, Jordan B. Gorfinkel. He's the only one who has a middle initial. Um actually, I think both may refer it again, I do. Um and Leo Zamek, who definitely has a middle initial, but Leora's not even her name, it doesn't matter. Um Sammy Schachter. And, um wait, one, two, three, four. One more, come on. Wait, Mayor He's got a blog. Mark. Um, oh yes, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink. Um very good. The six, the six hosts of the Sun Show, all very different, eclectic hosts. Who uh, combine over the course of a six week period to bring you what is mildly uh, entertaining radio? Right? No. (laughs) Jamie looking. Jamie's too engrossed in her tweet deck to figure out what else is uh, going on here. Social media. It's all about the social media with you kids. It's unbelievable. We have um, at work. We have a, a wall in the where the social team sits with six big screens. And, um, they all have, one has Google trends, one has, you know, a couple of couple the tools, but one has a tweet deck on it. And, um, we have, uh, attached to the tweet deck, essentially, I'm explaining it the way we said it, Explain explained it to clients. It's really a lot of smoke and mirrors, but attached to the tweet deck. We have, um, LED lights that are like a, an LED light pole and the lights uh on the pole, you know, they have little lights so there, you know, it looks like the, there's motion in the pole with the lights going up. The three colored lights are red, green, and yellow. And depending on the sentiment of the tweet that you're watching in the tweet deck, you'll see the lights move up the pole. So if everything turns red all of a sudden, you'll notice without actually looking at the tweets in the tweet deck what's going you know, or if it's green or you sort of want a mixture, but uh so we have those cool the clients, ooh, and ah, when we, uh, we're in the middle of a new business presentation, so we were just using them yesterday. Um, but it's, it's called our live wall because of everything going on, uh, whatever. Yeah, you should, yeah. You, uh, yeah <laughs> by the way, if you take down all the pictures, there might be room. I would start doing that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's not go there now. Um, anyway, four minutes in front of the top of
4: the hour coming up next Throwback Thursday. What, what do we pick? Uh, we got from October 22nd, 2003. It's, uh, Yasi Green is on, and he's on with Ohad, and they're introducing Ohad to the world. Like it's the first album, wow, and it's a really cool. great. I, I listen, and some of these things, you know, they're not labeled from back then, so I just right. happened to come onto these interviews. It was actually really cool. Here, Yasi Green really excited about Ohad, and them just really enjoying him and just being like, just how incredible he, you know, he is, and just hearing it for the first time. It was, it's a great interview.
0: One of the projects that we have to start working on, which will come up on the status call tomorrow, is how to better capture correctly metadata, you know, in terms of trying to get all the, you know, when we have all the music stored in one central location, but Ohad's name, for example, is probably listed five or six different ways. Ohad, Ohad Moskowitz, Ohad with an exclamation point, Ohad Moskowitz, Ohad Moskowitz with an exclamation point. So it all it gets all very confusing and to try to, to figure out a streamline. But another good opportunity is to go back, especially... On the shows that we've done, at least for Throwback Thursday, to capture what was really in the show. Now that we've gone ahead, I mean it's very linear to go back and start correcting it. But it may be an opportunity to find some good old content. Yeah, and I would say back to our previous conversation for those of you who don't know who picked the album of the week. If it's Sherwood Goffin, it's probably me. <laughs> Sometimes I'll have a, uh, I'll have an idea. Um, Certainly around Yumtif, you know, well, that's, I mean, pretty much the Mordechai and David album will, will definitely be one of the weeks of Yumtif every year. Um, and the Sukkot album will be if there is an album of the week during Sukkot. Um, but there are definitely some that you could probably tell are mine versus whatever I'm going to pick.
4: Or if someone has a new album coming out, maybe, and they have a really old album, like there will be a classic okay. album, we like to highlight that, you know, so.
0: There are some real classics that we should go back to the old Rabbi Sons, the old the, the old and David, which pe- people probably can't believe. Is Mordechai and David? We'll take requests, by the way. If you want to post to our Facebook page or post in the app, I didn't even check the app during the. Uh, I was going to log in. Somebody have the app up to see if there are any comments here. Nobody's even listening. It doesn't matter. Is there an official? I forgot what's the official rule as far as what has to be in a classic album. How old does it have to be? Ten or, years. That's it. Ten years. Has to be ten years. That was the. Um, that was the uh, the ruling based on my conversation with uh, Mister Siegel that uh, we needed it to be uh, a 10-year-old album to be classic. I guess, technically, it should be longer than that, but, um, you know, we don't always have a great record. Um, We don't always have a great record uh, when... uh, We we don't always have uh, have records of when the record was created. So 10 years was generally arbitrary. I think we usually, mostly music is our guide, right, to tell us when an album was released, so... It's all relative. Anyway, I got to wrap this up. It's it's 159. What do we close with? You can just close with the the the, the, the Baishanim, right. which is our family theme song. Baishanim, Rachmanim Goldmlech Chasidim, because my grandmother's maiden name was Berg. Bay Rage Anyway, okay. long story. That's uh, a great story album. for another show. This is Mark Zamek on the Stunt Show. Mayor Furtick behind this microphone. Next week, stay tuned for Throwback Thursday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Don't forget tomorrow morning, Malcolm Honlein joins Nachum Siegel at 7.40ish, followed by Rabbi Yudin, a great Friday-packed show. Go listen to the archives from Rabbi Sachs this morning. Great guest on j Name. This is Mark Zomach reminding you that no matter how long a journey may seem, every step you take brings you one closer to the end. God make it a great day, and I'll see you here in a few weeks next time. Bye.